Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's going on here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the message. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 14, where the Christmas story is recorded, you see the angels as they announced the birth of Jesus to the shepherds. And you remember that famous phrase, you probably have some ornaments or Christmas cards with this on it. Glory to God in the highest, on earth peace to men of goodwill. And the angels in making the announcement of Jesus actually were giving him their highest praise. They were saying he is worthy, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men of goodwill. Now there is an ancient word that you and I use today that denotes our highest praise. It's this word, hallelujah. (laughs) It is the word that denotes the very highest praise that we could offer to our God, hallelujah. When you break the word apart, halal means uh, the greatest praise. Yah is Yahweh, Jesus. So halal Yah is hallelujah, the greatest praise to Jesus. So anytime you say that word hallelujah, what you're saying is I'm giving God the greatest praise. When you sing that, you're saying I'm singing to God. I'm giving him my greatest praise. And by the way, it is the only word that is pronounced the same in every language around the world. Think about that. Koreans say hallelujah. (laughs) Frenchmen say hallelujah. Uh, uh, The people in in, uh, 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 countries in, uh, in Africa say hallelujah. We Americans say hallelujah. And it's a beautiful word. It's a wonderful word. By the way, it's a word one day we'll speak in heaven. In fact, when uh, Handel in 1741 wrote his masterpiece, The Messiah, he included a movement in it called the Hallelujah Chorus. And when that was first performed, King George II was in the audience. And when they got to that part, that movement in the, in the masterpiece, uh, 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 Messiah, and they began with the hallelujah chorus, King George II stood. And when they saw him stand, the whole audience stood. And we even today, when we hear that, we still stand. And what's beautiful was, it was in that moment, King George was recognizing a king more powerful than he. King George was the most powerful man in the world. He recognized that there is someone that is greater than me, and that is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And on this Christmas uh, uh, season, we say, hallelujah. (laughs) Our highest praise, our greatest praise belongs to our Lord. So it's a beautiful word. I said it's a word that we'll be be singing in heaven. Uh, uh, Revelation 19, the Bible says there's four stanzas of the hallelujah chorus we're going to sing in heaven. I'll break it down for you. There is the hallelujah for our relationship with Jesus. Once we realize that our salvation is secure and we're going to be there forevermore, we're going to sing hallelujah. (laughs) The second stanza has to do with retribution. When God rights all the wrongs, when he makes everything okay, when all the grievances of this world, when all the injustice of this world is finally made right, and we realize God is true, his word is true, he cannot lie, he did not lie, we're going to stand in one chorus, all the redeemed of all the ages, we're going to sing hallelujah. A third reason we're going to sing the third stanza is we're going to sing hallelujah because of the reunion. You have anybody in heaven? I do. 
And one of these days when we're reunited with those loved ones in heaven, the Bible says when we connect with them and we are in their presence again, we're going to sing hallelujah. Man, what a a day that's gonna be. I can't carry a tune in a bucket, but I'll be able to sing then, right? My glorified vocal cords. So we're gonna sing about this this, uh, uh, wonderful, and then the fourth stanza has to do with the reign of Jesus, meaning that it'll never end. We're going to be in heaven forevermore. And when we wrap our little finite minds around that reality, we in one chorus will sing hallelujah. So this is a worthy praise. It is a fitting praise. It is a Christmas praise that we offer to him our highest praise. And this morning for a little while, I wanna talk about a new hallelujah. I wanna talk about how God can bring about a new hallelujah. And I want us to look at, just for a little while, the song of Mary. Mary had, uh, had uttered this beautiful uh, uh, song in, in Luke chapter one, records it if you've never read it. I'm gonna lift a portion of it and, and read it to you this morning, but it's the song of Mary. And by the way, singing is indicative of the heart. Uh, singing reveals the mood of the heart. And when you have this young woman, Mary, with the announcement of the birth of Jesus and she's carrying this baby and she realizes the significance of it, this is a beautiful song that is written and sung by her. Luke 1, look at verse 46. Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord. How do you magnify God? You ever thought about that? What does it mean to make magnify? To magnify something, you make it bigger, right? Well, you think about it. How can I make God bigger? How do you magnify God? How do you make an infinite God bigger? Well, she wasn't talking about making God bigger in the world. She said, I've made him bigger in me. (laughs) I've magnified him in my soul. You see, you can't make God bigger than he already is. You can make him bigger in you. And Mary said, my heart is so filled with joy. My soul magnifies the Lord. Note now, my spirit has rejoiced. So look at the joy that's in her heart. In God, my savior, for He has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed, and we do. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and Mary said, holy is his name. And his mercy is on all those who fear him, and she said that will happen from generation to generation, and we stand here as a generation to say she's right. And Mary was offering her highest praise, and you have, first of all, a song that is resounded. A song that is resounded. I said singing is indicative of a joyful heart. At this season in Mary's life, at this season in Joseph's life, their hearts were so full of song. They're in love, they're engaged, they're getting, everything is coming together. Can you remember those moments in your life when you had those wonderful life, memorable life experiences that just filled your heart with song? Now you may not have sung a song, but maybe you related to a song on the radio that you connect with that certain memory. You ever turn on the radio and you hear a song and it'll take you back to high school, take you back to somebody you liked then or you thought you liked then or maybe it's that person you thought might like you and you connect a song with a memory? It's easy to do. I think we all do that. I I told you when Cindy and I, we went out on our very first date, March the 13th, 1976. 17 years old, went out on that first date, and I remember when I dropped her off at the house, the song playing on the radio when I dropped that girl off was uh, the Four Seasons tune, Oh What a Night. I thought, man, that's it. That's exa- Now, she didn't feel that way, <laughs> but, 
But I was feeling it, man. I thought, I, I've, got to, I've got to close this deal. I will never find anyone any better than this girl. I've got, I've got to make this thing happen, right? So it took a little persuading, but we finally got that done. So now anytime I, anytime I hear that song, it connects me with a memory. When Shannon was born, we had our firstborn. Cindy would sing uh, to Shannon, it's just too good to be true. Oh, we had a four seasons thing going on in our family. <laughs> I can't take my eyes off of you. You're like heaven, to t- right? And I would remember she's rocking Shannon. She's singing that song to Shannon. It's a memory I have. Billy came along. She's rocking him singing gloom, despair. And no, no, no. <laughs> I'm just messing with him. <laughs> she, she sang, you are my sunshine, my only sunshine. That was her song for him. You make me happy when skies are gray. And she'd be rocking that little boy and singing to him. When we got married, there's a song that she wanted in our wedding. It's the Lord's uh, Prayer. That's not funny, but what I'm about to tell you is. (laughs) So we had this kneeler. Her pastor and my dad were were sharing as uh, officiating the the, uh, ceremony. So Brother Moffat, Bill Moffat is here. My dad is in front of him. So there was a point in the ceremony when we would kneel, right? Well, I have a very bad right knee uh, from football, old football injury. I know you can get it repaired, but it didn't hurt me that bad. So anyway, I'm passing on that one. But the point is, uh, if, I, if I go and try to set on my heels, my knee will pop out of place. And it's a very unique, you'll see, you'll have a vision when that happens. You'll see things and you have to really quickly try to get yourself positioned where you can pop your knee back into place. Well, well, when we're kneeling for the Lord's prayer, Cindy takes my arm and she happens to go all the way down setting on her heels. And unless I'm gonna loom over her as I'm kneeling, you know, I go all the way down to, well, my right knee pops out of place. And my, our buddy that was singing the song, it was like, our father who Art. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and I'm breaking out in sweat. I'm going, dude, tempo, tempo. Kick it in gear. You know, turn it and head it to the barn. We got to wrap this up. I'm just, and, and, all, and she thought I was having a moment because I'm sweating and crying. It was a totally different kind of moment. Whole different kind of moment. And now, honestly, it's ruined the Lord's Prayer for me. I'll be honest with you. I just... <laughs> Every time I hear that song, I break out in a sweat. You know, love the Lord's Prayer, don't get me wrong. It's just connected to that portion of our ceremony that was very painful in my memory. So I have a memory associated with that song. We all have those stories, good, bad, happy, sad. But singing is a, an indication of a joyful heart. So you have the song of Mary. She was full of joy and she was so happy in life, but you know how life is. It's even in the Christmas story. Sometimes that joy gets interrupted. Sometimes God intervenes in our plans. Sometimes things don't work out the way we thought. So this hallelujah that we offer to God with resounding praise, sometimes that hallelujah can get broken. A broken hallelujah. Actually, that phrase was coined by Leonard Cohen in the 80s when he was writing about love and loss. And he was equating this highest praise we give to God to an experience that he had gone through in his life. When he described it, it is as though the hallelujah, the song of my life is broken. 
I suggest to you this morning that there was a period of time in Mary and Joseph's life together that the song was broken. I can point to it, I think. She's happy. She's just gotten the news that her, uh, you know, she's going to be carrying the Messiah, the Son of God. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, the angel said. He will save his people from their sins. And that was well and good. But now she's got to break the news to Joseph. And is he really going to believe <laughs> that that was a, you know, uh, an angel that appeared to her? So I suggest to you that there was some anxiety. I suggest to you that there was a moment when the song that she was singing was, was broken. She didn't know how he was going to receive that. And sure enough, man, when you read the record, he was troubled. You see, according to the Hebrew tradition, before you got married, there were two steps prior to marriage. There was the engagement. And the engagement was usually an agreement that was worked out between the fathers. That's not bad, by the way. Dads would sit down and negotiate, and you'd work out an agreement. And then the couple would enter a betrothal period, and that was a formal ceremony. And when you were betrothed to someone, what you were saying is, this is my it person. <laughs> There's no one else but them. I'm going to be absolutely, totally, uh, forever committed to this individual, and there's no walking back. There's no taking it back. I am betrothed to this person. Now, during that period, if you were to break a betrothal, it would require legal action, much like a divorce. So, man, this was a serious thing in the Jewish tradition for you to be betrothed. And then the third step, obviously, was the wedding. And that would happen usually between a, a year after the engagement, betrothal, and then you would have the wedding. So we know that the angel appears to the Lord, uh, to Mary, who was betrothed to Joseph. So they're in that intermediate period. So they've already formally announced. They're getting ready. She's already checking with the caterers. She's getting the flowers arranged. She's gone, or gone to pick out the cake. She's probably got a dress in mind. I'm just bringing it down where you can get where we're going. She's made all these decisions and all of a sudden an angel of the Lord appears to her and tells her, you're highly favored. You're going to carry the Christ child. And she says, I don't know how that's going to happen. Uh, you know, I, I, I've, I've never, you know, I've never been with anyone. And he says, don't worry about the, 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 the angel of the Lord will overshadow you. It's going to be a miraculous thing. And that little one, that chosen one, that little baby, you'll carry in your womb. And when you read the exchange, she goes from being just mesmerized and being mystified to, 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 to being so excited and said, you know, just be it to your handmaiden according to what you've said. If this is the will of God, even though my plans are interrupted, if this is the will of God, even though God has intervened, this is not anything we had planned. I mean, I'm planning a, a wedding and now you're telling me I need to go build a nursery. And all this stuff is happening and just that quick. And then all of a sudden the angel leaves her and it hits Mary. I got to break the news to Joseph. How? Now, sometimes when we read characters in the Bible, we make them out to be um, like superheroes when they're not. There are people just like us. You read St. Matthew, St. Mark, St. Luke. They look, they're, more, they're no more saintly than any of us. There's only the saints and the ain'ts. I'm just saying that sometimes we make people out to be some sort of spiritual superheroes because they're in the Bible. Let me tell you something. Joseph was made of the same stuff we're made of. So was Mary. She, though, was blessed and highly favored. 
But she's now got, has to go tell this man she's betrothed to that she's carrying a child. And he knows in the betrothal period, you have committed to absolute fidelity to the person that you're going to marry, and he's knowing, it ain't mine. So can you see the tension that was in the home? Can you see the difficulty that, jo- do, do you really think Joseph was going out, tuning the radio off the camel, finding his, their song? No, I, I'm telling you, it, it was a broken hallelujah. In fact, when you look and read the record, Matthew carries it, when you read the record, he, he was having thoughts about how do I get out of this deal? I mean, she's telling me she's carrying the son of God, for God's sake. I mean, an angel appears to her. I mean, good, now, could she come up with something better than that? Really? I mean, all these thoughts are going through his mind. He's thinking, we bought, the, we got the cake, we got the place reserved, the venue, we've already got the preacher line. I mean, all these things are done, and now she's cheated on me, and not just cheated on me, she's gonna have a baby with whoever it was she's messing around with, and she wants me to believe it was a supernatural thing, an angel of God tells her, all this is going on. D- don't, don't miss that. That's a little part of the nativity we never thought about, we never think about. I'm just suggesting somewhere between the joy of that first love and the joy of being excited about being married, in the middle of that, their plans are interrupted, God has intervened, and the hallelujah is broken. You know what it took? A miracle. The angel appears to Joseph and said, it's just as Mary said. She got it right. That girl didn't lie to you. She loves you. She's faithful to you. She's faithful to me. Now you, you man up. You cowboy up. You do the right thing. And he did. And I'm just telling you, sometimes in the experience of life you and I go through, where we're joyous and we're singing and we're, we're in love and all these wonderful things are happening in our life. Sometimes in the providence of God, interruptions. And sometimes those interruptions are so severe that it takes our song. The second thing I want you to consider is a song restrained. A song restrained. Have you ever had an experience hit your life that took your song where over here you were singing hallelujah and you were so thankful for what God was doing in your life and now? You can't find your song. The 137th Psalm is a great psalm. It's about a nation that lost its song. When the 137th song is written, it's talking about Israel being carried away captive into Babylon. And it's interesting, and I'll paraphrase it for you. It says, it was by the rivers of Babylon that we sat down. We wept. We remembered Zion. We remembered a time when we were happy. We remembered a time when we could sing. We remembered a time that was different from this time. Remembered a season much more joyful than this one. They wept when they remembered. And the people that had taken them captive said, hey, you guys are known for your song. You're always a happy person. Sing us one of the songs of Zion. You guys are always, you're always so upbeat. I've never seen you have a bad day. Sing us one of the songs of Zion. And they responded and said, we we hung our harps back there. We, We don't have a way to sing. When we went through what we went through, our heart got hung on the 
willows and we don't have any instruments, we've lost our song. Let me tell you something. Everybody who's ever had their song restrained can point to the moment, can point to the place, sometimes point to the person where you lost your song. Maybe it was a betrayal. Maybe it was a financial reverse. Maybe it was a divorce. Maybe it was a death of someone. And you went from a song resounding hallelujah <laughs> to all of a sudden your world is rocked and your hallelujah is broken. It doesn't work anymore. The song is restrained. I can tell you where my song was broken. I could take you to the third floor of Zellipsy Hospital. To the neuro ICU unit. We're on May 31st. I had a broken hallelujah. So I think most of us can relate to that in some way. You've been there. Some of you guys have gone there where you're good here, <laughs> go through a season, not so good anymore. But the great thing about our story is the third thought I want to give you, and that is God can restore your song. He can give you your song back. You know that? Did you know you can sing again? There can be joy in your heart again. You can. <laughs> in fact, the text I read, the song of Mary, was not written at the first of their journey. It was written on the other side of their journey. She's giving God her highest praise because she and Joseph had worked through the most difficult moments of their life. God had showed up in a big way and he restored to that little couple. He restored their song. There's a passage in Psalm 40. David lost his song. He wrote about it. He says in Psalm 40, he said, uh, I waited on the Lord. It's a, in the Hebrew, it's a Hebrew idiom. It literally means when he says, I waited, it means I waited and waited, and in waiting, I waited. <laughs> he said, I waited on God and waited, and in waiting, I waited. Now, what he was saying is sometimes to get your song back is a process. Uh, mine's not completely back. I, I'm, I'm still singing a very broken hallelujah. I'm in a process. And David said, Finally, in God's time, he said, I, he inclined his ear to me. The God of heaven leaned to listen to David. It's an anthropomorphism that lets us know that God listens to us when we cry. You ever felt like you were waiting and waiting and in waiting you're waiting? <laughs> and God's not listening? That's what David was saying. But David finally says in Psalm 40, but he inclined his ear to me. He heard me. And then he said, you know what he did? He lifted me up. Listen, your heart may be heavy this morning, but God can lift your heart. You, you may be going through something this morning in this season, and it may be heavy, but God can lift the burden. There's no sin he can't forgive. There's no problem he can't solve. There's no burden he can't lift. 
Psalm 40, David said, I, I waited and waited and in waiting I waited and finally God inclined to me and he heard me. He lifted me up and he said he put my feet on something solid. Man, when you lose your song, sometimes you feel like you're sinking. You can't get your footing. He said the second thing he did is he established my steps. He, he, he gave me direction again. You may feel like you've lost your direction because you've lost your song. It's a season. God will restore your direction. You may not know what that looks like for you right now. You may not need to right now. Just lean into the one who does know. Trust him. He said he lifted me. He established my steps. And get this. He said he put a new song in my heart. <laughs> David said I learned to sing again. And what I found about God is the more you press into him and the more you trust him and the more you wait on him the more he begins that process of giving your song back. Some of you, you may not feel like you'll ever sing again. You'll sing again. You may feel like the joy is gone. It'll come back. You may feel like you don't have purpose. You have purpose. He can be trusted. And what he'll give you, if you trust him, is he'll give you a new hallelujah. I know one of these days I'm gonna stand in the presence of my God and I'm gonna sing hallelujah for all the things here that I didn't understand will be made clear there. And when I see it, I know we'll be good. I'll say hallelujah. So I don't wanna mess up. I don't wanna let this thing make me bitter. I don't wanna quit. I don't want the first thing I hear when I see Cindy in heaven one day, I don't wanna hear her say, what were you thinking? What were you thinking? We gave our lives and you quit over that? Are you kidding me? I'm fine. You keep going. So I want to tell you what I'm determined to do is just keep going. I'm just determined I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give in. I'm just not going to give out. I'm too stubborn. I believe God has a purpose. And my hallelujah is broken. I don't know how long it'll take. but I'm committed to the process. And I encourage you to do the same. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you can bring joy back into a broken heart. You can bring happiness back into a broken life. You can give purpose to a broken person. There's nothing too hard for you. We've talked about miracles in this season and truly it is a miracle when you can take and fix a broken, hallelujah. Only you can do that. Money can't do it, power can't do it. David was the king and he couldn't fix himself. So Father, we realize sometimes when we get so broken, only you can fix us. But you're in the business of doing that. You are a miracle worker. You are a problem solver. There's nothing too hard for you. And Father, we're so mindful of that as we think back on that young couple who believed you with all their heart. You restored their song. You gave them their purpose again. Mary could give you praise because she realized everything you told her was true. And through her, the Savior of the world would come. Father, thank you for the joy of knowing Jesus. 
Thank you for the privilege it is to celebrate his coming into this world. Bless this song to our heart in Christ's name. Thank you so much for tuning in today with us. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us so that we can follow up with you this week by visiting metchurch.com. We look forward to seeing you again next week.